Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Podcast. I'm your host, Jill Manoff, and today I sit down with Mary Ellen Coyne, who's been CEO of 46-year-old Jay McLaughlin since 2016. This year, the brand underwent its first ever refresh, which encompassed its digital presence, products, and even its logo. Plus, it's been busy opening stores, which account for three-fourths of its sales. I wanted to ask Mary Ellen about the brand's secrets to success, including his popular catalog and unique positioning in the market. I also wanted to get her take on current growth opportunities, especially as the company recently opened its first exclusively men's store. Welcome, Mary Ellen. Thank you, Jill. It's a pleasure to be here. So happy to have you here. Let's circle back. What's going on? You joined the company about seven years ago, the same year I joined Glossy. Hey, yes. what was going on with the company when you joined? The company has an amazing 46-year history of being a, a brand with unbelievable integrity, offering classic American sportswear to men and women, primarily women, um, in the most beautiful settings with outstanding customer service. So in 2016, I was incredibly fortunate to join this amazing brand um, and, and really take what they had done and what had worked for so long and honestly just build on all of that. So in the last seven years, we've had a field day. We have elevated the product. We've elevated our process. We've elevated our presentation. We've replatformed every segment of our business and we've had a tremendous impact on the growth of the brand. Amazing. Tell me about the size of the company. How many employees? All the jazz. Sure. So we have 173 stores and roughly 850 employees. About 110 of those sit here with us in Brooklyn and the rest the rest are spread across the country. Is there a theme that plays out throughout the brands that you've worked for? There are some big names on your resume, along with Jay McLaughlin. There's Jay Ralph Lauren. There's Gap and Taylor, Victoria's Secret. Like, what is kind of your guiding you through anything in particular? These are, I guess you can define, they're known by the name, like you can define the look and feel immediately. I don't know. I'm making that up. What was the theme? <laughs> so, well, to me, it was always quality brands, brand that really had integrity and stood for who, you know, stood their ground for who they are. Um, I also, I have to say, you know, Ann Taylor, Banana Republic, Ralph Lauren, all of it, um, I was incredibly fortunate to have amazing mentors who throughout my career always exposed me to new things, to all the various functions. I mean, I have spent time on the selling floor. I have spent time in factories. I know how to knit a sweater. I have worked backstage at a fashion show with models. And then, you know, and then I got to the point where I was running P&Ls and presenting at board meetings. And that was really all because I was given opportunity uh, through amazing leaders and mentors. But what it allowed me to do ultimately was to take this role at Jay McLaughlin, where for the first time, I am now orchestrating all of that myself. And it's, an, it's again, consistent with the theme of where I've been. Jay McLaughlin's an amazing brand, but, you know, but I have a very different role here than I've ever had. We'll get into that for sure. But this is a 46-year-old company. 
Let's talk about, even before, I don't know, everybody's tossing around this trendy, sexy idea of direct-to-consumer, which typically, like these days, we think of like a digitally native brand, some a brand that emerged with a website, um, but you're direct. Yeah? You're, are you selling through any retail partners? What's the state of that? We have one retail partner. We do a small business with Dillard's, which is a legacy relationship and, and one that we are very happy with. But that represents less than 1% of our business. The rest of our business, we do ourselves. Yes. And largely through stores. Yes. Yes. So from the brand's inception, the retail strategy has always been to open stores in places where our customers like to spend their time. Our first store was on the Upper East Side in New York City near Mellon's, JG Mellon's. For those of you who were in the 80s and 90s, people who, who hung out in New York City, you know, the hotspot. Um, and, and from there, we continue to open, you know, Princeton was next, then Nantucket, then Naples in Florida. Uh, we always went to locations, again, where our customers like to be and equally important, where we could immerse ourselves into the communities. Tell me about, first of all, your customer and the vibe. Like, do you hate the word preppy? We do. <laughs> I like it. We do. <laughs> we do only because... Honestly, and honestly, prep is coming back. And, and lately, Kevin McLaughlin's been using the word prep a lot. But we choose not to use it only because the brand has evolved and our customer, which I'll, I'll speak a little bit about our customer, but our customer is so much more than that. So we, we try not to use it only because we feel like it paints a picture of a very small target audience. And our, you know, our customers are much more broad than that. So I'll talk a little bit about the customer. So today, the customer is primarily a female in the middle point in her life. Um, she loves to spend time with her family. She loves to travel. And she is a very tasteful person who wants to look modern, wants to look relevant, but does not want to make a big statement with her clothing. Would you say she's an, like an affluent customer? Like... For instance, my familiarity, most of my familiarity with the brand, um, having come from the Midwest, there I'm St. Louis area. I live. I I used to shop the store. It was across from Plaza Frontenac in Frontenac, yes, Missouri. And I that's know, the fancy. Yes. You know, that's the fancy mall. Okay, <laughs> it is. And Christy, who it's runs our St. Louis store, is amazing. I love it oh, out there. See? I've visited many times. And is that representative of an area where there's there's great shopping, but um, I would say it's a nicer part of town. How would you describe it? Yes, our customers fall into a very high household income bracket. Absolutely, um, and you know it, it's nice because they they often travel sometimes to their homes or to friends' homes, and they spend time in multiple stores. They shop wherever they are. You know, if they're on vacation or if they're just away for the weekend. If you know they're visiting people. It is, it's a customer who has the ability to travel and really spend time doing the things that they love to do. Lately, that's pickleball. So that, that, that'll be our, that'll be another topic that we'll cover. Oh my gosh. That makes perfect sense. Oh my gosh. Are you doing pickleball where? Well, we are, we are. So I'll tell you about that. Um, we, we are doing, we, we have designed for several years 
a small collection of athletic at, slash athleisure wear, which has now really taken off with pickleball. But we do also do printed custom pickleball paddles. We sponsor some pickleball tournaments. It's been a lot of fun getting into that sport. And, and I'll tell you why. And I think this ties a few things in. The one other thing that I was going to say about our brand is women come into our brand at a certain point in their lives. Whether that's they have a new job, they've moved up to the next level, whether it's they're starting their family and they've moved to the suburbs, there's a point in time that this brand is appropriate for them. And we also have many families where the mother, the daughter, and the grandmother all come together to shop and all find something they love in the store. And we witness this often, which is so nice. And when we talk about a sport like pickleball, the nice thing about pickleball is it is very multi-generational and as many families playing together. So it plays right into the heart of the Jay McLaughlin customer. Oh my gosh. I love that. How are you kind of setting the scene, the stage, keeping your stores very inviting, maybe encouraging that? I know there's like a localization element. You you kind of uh, tap into what's happening in the area. Um, but yeah, what else is happening in store beyond beyond clothes? Well, Customer relationship is the most important thing to us at J. McLaughlin. The founding principle of the brand was make a customer, not a sale. So in other words, we are in it for the long haul. We want people to get to know us. And and really, if someone comes into a store and doesn't buy anything that day, we're not concerned at all. We don't measure conversion. We Our salespeople don't, you know, if they leave, if someone leaves and they've had a nice experience, We know they're going to come back and the day they ultimately make their first purchase, they will become a loyal customer. Let's talk about the reliance, I wouldn't say reliance, but the success of stores and how that when stores shut down in the last three or four years for a temporary amount of time, like, is that when maybe your online sales grew and maybe you started putting or like seeing the opportunities to grow that channel or what was the, the impact there? Jill, it's so interesting. We closed all of our stores on March 19th of 2020 and all absolutely held our breath. To the comment you made earlier, stores are the bulk of our business. And we honestly did not know how it was going to play out. Interestingly enough, our e-commerce business did. It rose significantly for 2020. Um, it rose it rose about 15 points. Um, but more interestingly for us was that our customers who had been with us for so long and had become so friendly with our store teams were actually checking on our store managers and then calling and placing orders through the stores to make sure that the store business was a, you know, the stores were successful and they were able to maintain. It was the most amazing thing. And I like to say the reason that we made it through the pandemic and actually made some money the year of the pandemic was all the things we did for that came the 40 years before, right? It was all that relationship building. And, um, you know, we were very, very fortunate and we were very pleased in 2021 when our business was explosive in the rebound. Yes. Well, you clearly have not lost faith in that physical retail channel. You're opening more stores. You're ahead in West. <laughs> Tell me about the, the plan to open more stores and, and how many you hope to have. So today we have 173 stores and the plan is to open 10 to 12 over the next three years, every year. So we're looking at 200 and who knows 
how many more above that. But today our sites are on 200. And we really have a three-pronged strategy. The one that you referred to, geographically, we know we've penetrated the East Coast in a significant way, Florida being our number one market on the East Coast. And we really are comfortable with our presence on the West Coast. So right now, our focus is in the middle of the country. We recently opened in Oklahoma City, and we are opening in two weeks in Omaha, Nebraska. And what we found, to your point earlier, is there are these incredible you know, lovely, smart, affluent women who are underserved um, in retail in those in those towns, those cities. So we're really going after that. But the other thing that's super interesting for us since the pandemic is the geographic diversity that we're seeing. So population diversity and where people are spending their time has become an unlock for us. So where people moved into new markets or are spending more time in markets that they had previously only spent weekends has had a significant impact. And I like to use the example, we recently opened in South Hold, Long Island, New York, a very sleepy town, honestly known for potato farms historically, <laughs> but saw an incredible you know, surge during the pandemic. And our store in South Hold this year will deliver two and a half times the volume it was pro forma at. Oh, wow. So now we're, that. yes, so now we're thinking there are so many smaller towns that could be unbelievable opportunities for us. And the third prong for us will be, which is in the three to five-year plan, opening stores internationally. We're very excited about going to seaside resort towns, whether it be in Portugal, whether it be in the UK, and and really starting to look at how we can replicate the formula that has been so successful here. Would you say, I mean, largely, what happens now around the holiday shopping season? Are you more seasonal because, or like, you know, resort? Um, I think that you'd be killing it in the Hamptons. <laughs> um, but yeah, year-round sales, is it up and down? Our year-round sales are fairly consistent. Spring to fall, we have a 51-49 split. That being said, December is our largest month of the year. Um, And to your point about seasonality, because we open and close stores, stores like Nantucket, Martha's Vineyard, um, we do have sort of a northeast surge in the summer and a southeast surge in the first quarter. Oh my gosh, that makes good sense. We're talking a lot about stores, which is even though it's like so, so hot, more of a traditional approach, I guess. But catalogs, talk about a traditional approach. That's working well for you, yeah? Very well. So we launched catalog the year that I started, the year that I joined Jay McLaughlin in 2016, the catalog was launched really at the suggestion of the Brentwood Group who owns Jay McLaughlin. And the catalogs have been successful from day one We have industry-leading metrics across the board. More importantly for us is that the catalogs tell our story. You know, other than our stores, the catalog is the place where people go to see what we're doing that season and where we're traveling to and what we're thinking. And our customers often keep the catalog on their coffee table from the time they get one until the time the next one arrives. They come in with the pages dog-eared and try to, you know, try to buy full outfits. Um, it's, it's really a, an incredibly productive vehicle for us. That being said, the world of digital marketing is so important today. And 
constantly evolving. So in recent years, the last three years, our marketing spend really has been fairly even, catalog to digital. And as you know, digital historically with Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Pinterest, the other thing that we're seeing that that is exciting these days is going back to very traditional marketing channels. So billboard, out of home, these wild postings you're seeing on all the scaffoldings in New York. We're finding all television. People are going back to very radio. So it's, yeah. um, it's super exciting. We're going to take a quick break. Stay with us. When you do do the catalogs, I was reading it was 10 million a year, 1 million per 10 catalogs. Are they largely going to um, prospective customers, potential people who you're trying to get in front of rather and current, maybe half C's or who are they going to? Yes, they are going to both. And the split is generally 30% to our house file, our loyal customers and 70% to customers we are prospecting. Okay, cool. Oh my gosh. It's a major, the catalog is so, it's such a pleasure because it is an amazing acquisition vehicle, but it also is a great retention vehicle for for our tried and true customers. Oh my gosh. During the pandemic, if I got a catalog in the mail, it was like Christmas. I was like, ooh, I'm going to do something today. I'm going to look at a catalog. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Um, Let's talk a little bit more about your expansion. Stores in particular, men's. What's the opportunity you're seeing in men's right now, largely a women's business? What percentage is men's now? Men's is a very small percentage. It's a single digit. Um, but oh, wow. Yes. And, you know, that is really, we are completely a victim of our own success here. So the brand was launched 50-50. The first store that opened on Third Avenue was half men's, half women's. And that is how the business was for the first few years. What happened was that the female customers we're coming in much more often. We're spending much more money. We're buying many more pieces. And every once in a while, they would pick up something for their husband. So naturally, women's gained more square footage. They gained more, you know, the real estate, the resources, all of it. Um, but we've always designed a, a great looking men's line. And with all that's gone on in the world of men's and the launch of several men's catalogs and men honestly just being much more interested in looking modern and relevant, we really felt like it was time to lean in. And we're super excited. The first men's only store opened in Palm Beach. There's actually a big event tonight, December 5th. Um, and we're, we're very excited about it and the potential there. We do believe that the men's business will grow more quickly online. But we are going to, you know, listen, we're a company and I'm firmly a leader who believes in testing and learning. So we will read the results of Palm Beach and we will take it from there. Oh my gosh. What are the plans to get? I would think maybe there are some influential men. You could get your clothes on the bodies of. <laughs> um, what What are some, some plans around marketing this? Influencer will absolutely be one. Um, but also we have just started to put men's in a more meaningful way in the catalogs because that will obviously expose it to 10 million people a year, which could help tremendously. Um, And we are really leaning into the work that we're doing on our own website in terms of the landing pages, the blog stories, and, and getting the word out there that way. Yes. What can you share about your customer's loyalty? Like you talked, you talked a lot about who she is. I, I would think she's coming back all the time. She's tremendously loyal. We often have customers who stop in our store 
once a day because they walk their dog and they stop in to say hi. We always have dog treats. But from a shopping pattern, roughly 75% of our sales every year are done through repeat customers. And they are usually shopping more than two and a half times a year. So very high frequency and very high AOV. Um, I can talk a little bit about our metrics. I mean, they are, you know, we run a full price business. So over 80% of our sales are done full price. We have a very high initial markup, which leads to a very high maintained margin in the very high 70s. Uh, We, as I mentioned, high AOV and high LTV, which allows us to have a lower cost to acquire. And we are generally profitable at every first purchase. We also, every single one of our stores is also profitable. I mean, what? No, (laughs) that's very rare. (laughs) Mary Ellen. Yes. You're blowing my mind. (laughs) Was wondering about competition in this space. Um, You're in this, well, first of all, upper, higher end. We hear about like the state of the luxury consumer. You're competing for their dollar. But in terms of, I won't say preppy, <laughs> American sportswear, who, who is in this space that you're, you're looking at that maybe your customers are shopping? Well, we are very fortunate to consume a large share of our customers' closet. But we also know when they are not shopping with us, Lululemon rises to the top as where they're buying their true technical wear And Saks and Neiman's tend to be the brands they mention when they're going for event dressing. And they are shopping luxury handbags. Other than that, we really own the majority of their closet. Let's talk a little bit about kind of the the business. You you mentioned um, the Brentwood Group. I know that it was originally founded by two brothers. Um, What's going on with, yes, ownership and fundraising and all the things. <laughs> Where are we there? So yes, Kevin and Jay founded the business 1977, the two of them literally with a loan from their mother and they built the first store. They're, they're, they're remarkable. Uh, Kevin is still in the business. He is the creative director, co-founder. He's here every single day. He says, I won't let him retire, but that's not true. He loves to be here every day. Um, and yeah, so we've been owned by Brentwood Brentwood bought the company in 2015, and honestly, the relationship has been fantastic. So we continue to to move along, and who knows what's going to happen from here. But for now, we're all super happy with the setup we have and with the way the business has grown. Good for you. What happened this year or ahead of this year where you're like, we need a zhuzh, we need to do something, we're going to do a refresh? (laughs) Well, Jill, we have spent so much time and energy and had the best time working on all of the basic things. So we got to the point where we were looking at the store saying, the product looks great. The stores look great. Presentation's good. Catalog is working and digital's working. But how are we going to really do something transformative? Customer acquisition is our number one opportunity for growth. Because again, we know that once we get them, they will stay with the brand. So for the first time ever, we looked outside and we hired an outside marketing firm. We hired Trey Laird, who is obviously a legend in the industry. Legend. Legend. (laughs) Um, I was fortunate enough to know Trey's sister at Ralph Lauren, who is also an incredible talent. And So we sat down and met with Trey. Kevin and I met with Trey maybe two or three times. 
And it was so much fun. The first time we had breakfast with Trey, he said to us, wow, usually brands call me when they're in trouble. You guys are knocking it out of the park. And we said, we know, we just want more people to know. So (laughs) there began the relationship with Trey and he shot the fall campaign. So all those catalog looks are that are Trey's. He really encouraged us to do out of home, wild posting in terms of marketing, media channels, and he really helped us reset the logo and the brand color, really our, our sort of our, our core brand strategy. So interestingly enough, Trey came in and studied what we had done in the brand and the brand's history and really went to, looked back to move forward. And the logo that we went with, the font, is a logo that was used in the 80s in the brand and So we brought that back and then we really intensified all the colors that we had in the brand, this blue and navy. And we're super excited. We we think he really did an amazing job. I thought it was so interesting when I saw that um, we went with a new blue. (laughs) It's like, that's like, that blue is so over, over. We're moving on. (laughs) (laughs) That is the way we think. I know. (laughs) What would you say is challenging you now? Um, Kind of there's anything keeping you up at night, um, even though things are going well? Everything keeps me up at night. I have three children, so I can't help that. But the <laughs> in, from a business point of view, honestly, you worry about the macro environment. And, you know, there's a lot of crazy, tough things going on in the world. There's crazy things going on with some of the, you know, labor industries in the United States. And Uh, You know, all of those things, we have an election coming up, they make people nervous. And we have a very smart, tuned in customer. So they particularly get distracted when there's something going on in the world. The good news is we know our customer tends to be the first to retract when they're concerned about something. They are also the first person back and they always come back to us. Oh, how great. And they love you and your associates. I forgot to ask, which I really want to know. I've been hearing a lot on the challenge question about like hiring and putting faith in like new, even like store associates, they're representing your brand. They're basically an influencer on behalf of you. Um, I don't know. Is there ongoing training? Is there any secret that you guys have that's working? Yes, we have very long tenure with our store associates, which which always amazes me. I, I can walk into a store and the same person has been managing that store for 10, 12, 14 years. And I think, I don't know, I don't know that you could pay me enough to open a store and stand on my feet all day for 14 years. But our store managers love it. They love the brand. They feel part of the family. We Our store leads really give store managers a lot of leeway. We really hand them the keys and say, this is your store, Do you know, always do with it what you think is the right thing to do. Come to us with how you want to grow the business. So in that way, I think that very much differentiates us from other places that people could work in a store. But also we find the vast majority of our store managers and our store associates through referrals. So our store managers are often customers tremendous customers for us over the years who then find they're at a point in their lives that they want to go back in and work. They want to do something for a few hours. Or we find that store managers recommend other people that they've worked with in their retail career. So we are very rarely hiring someone that we don't have a reference on. 
I was so impressed at the beginning of this conversation when you knew the manager's name in St. Louis, Missouri. Like, tell me about, um, I feel like you're more hands-on <laughs> than most CEOs, most in the mix. Why did you know her name? <laughs> what What's the relationship there? I love spending time in stores. So yes, there's so much to do here. And, you know, I, I listen, I love, I love the creative and I love the commerce. And ultimately, at the end of the day, what I love is driving results. I love exceeding everyone's expectations and delivering, over-delivering on what we said we were going to do. Fortunately, I have an amazing, amazing team that allows me to do that. And for this brand, the majority of that team is in the store. So I spend a tremendous amount of time visiting stores and really listening to what they think is working, not working. They're by far the best source of information they're often the best source of where we should open another store. They are really, you know, things that we should put in the catalog. Um, so yes, I do, I do. I would say that I know almost everyone's name. That's so good. So when you're going global or international, um, are you going to be traveling a lot? Is it necessary to have your people on the ground in those new regions, wherever you're going? And or are you working with, with others, uh, maybe through retailers in that context? The international project is just kicking off. And as I said, that's sort of our in our three to five year plan. We believe that it will be important to have someone from the brand representing in whatever country we choose to go to. But we also truly believe that it's very important to have local people. You know, here in the U.S., we, our store managers, our store associates are very, very involved in their local communities. We have a phrase, local and loyal. We, the store managers are often on the Chamber of Commerce. They often run the retail association in that town. They're always happy to partner with everyone and get a group effort going. And we also give back to our communities. And that's primarily led by our customers. We, Our best customers come to us and let us know what's important for us to support. You know, we host over 1,600 events a year, and we give back to over 900 charities. That's fantastic. I'm like, I'm going to do the math. (laughs) 1,600 divided by 170 stores. That's a lot of events. Yes. That's great. Yes. Yes. So great. Can you tell me anything that you're doing? Um, Maybe it's event-related for a holiday now that we're in the the holiday month. Yeah, what's your approach? Is there a campaign happening right now? There's always a campaign happening. (laughs) Um, Right now, we are in the midst of several, obviously, holiday events. And Thursday night will be our big VIP night where we invite all of our um, VIP customers to come in for a special shopping night and... Yes, uh, we had something for the Park Avenue tree lighting on Sunday in New York. There's roughly three events going on every single day. Oh, for crying out loud. Yes. It's not easy. (laughs) But it's fun. So good. Well, what else can we expect in 2024? You can expect 10 to 12 new stores and (laughs) hopefully some of them men's. Um, And just... You know, we're we're looking forward to doing everything that we do well now. You know, just seeing seeing the company continue to grow, continue to stay unbelievably true to who we are, um, and leaning into men's, leaning into athleisure, and then really starting to do our research for home and international. Good for you. Well, we can't wait to see all that you do. Mary Ellen, this is so enjoyable. Thanks for being my guest today. Thank you so much, Jill. This was a pleasure. 
That's all for this episode. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. If you liked this episode, be sure to share it with someone else you think would. Thanks for listening to the Glossy Podcast.